Hello, and welcome to Primary Sources, a featured production of Radio Cows. Here on Primary Sources, we focus on people who are making a difference in Little Rock and Arkansas. Some you might have heard of, and some you haven't heard of, but probably want to know about. Check out cows.org slash podcasts for a free podcast of Primary Sources interviews. This is David Strickland at the Butler Center for Arkansas Studies, and I'm talking to the famous Tracy Berry, <laughs> and she's 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 either famous or ought to be. And I think that's one of the things we do with these podcasts is these are people you either know about or you ought to know about. So, uh, so we're in, well, hey, in thank you. And to a great extent, we're dealing with both categories today. Uh-huh. A lot of people know about Tracy Berry, and we're talking especially because you've got a really cool event coming up. And so talk to us about that. I do. Raid, Raid the, the Rock. Rock Adventure Race. Raid the Rock Adventure Race. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it is December the 9th and 10th this year. Um, we are a yearly race, and we've been running since 2001. I took it over in 2012. Um, and a lot of people don't know what an adventure race is. And a lot of people get it confused with these obstacle course races that are now popping up everywhere. But it's completely different, a whole different experience. The adventure is a big part of that. Um, but it is a race, and our we have, starting last year, we now have a 24-hour course and an 8-hour course, and we offer also a beginner's course that's 2-4 to four hour. We don't get a, a lot of um, people for the beginner course because I think the term navigation frightens some. Um but it tends to be not just a athletic race, but it's it's a mental uh, competition as well, hmm. if you will. Um, we have teams of three, two, and you can also race solo. If you race solo, you have to provide us with a kind of um, resume of, of sorts to show that you are experienced enough. You're not going to get lost in the woods on us and have us send out a search and rescue team to find you. Um, but yeah, so it involves three main disciplines, biking, mountain biking, you have to have a mountain bike, um, running or trekking, sometimes bushwhacking through the thick of it off trail and paddling. And then sometimes there's some other disciplines thrown in there. Um, most years we have a ropes element, whether it be a rappel a zip line or a triolian traverse type deal. Um, we've repelled people off of the Two Rivers Bridge into the river, and they had to swim to the shore after they got off rope. Um, so, yeah, it's an, and then sometimes we have team challenges. Sometimes we make them do little quirky things one year to get the rest of their coordinates because you, you navigate through the entire course. They had to, at least one team member had to eat a cricket to get to get the next set of coordinates to finish the race. Okay, now was that your idea? Yeah, it was. <laughs> and I and I and I ate a cricket. Live cricket. Just so I'd be like, hey, listen, it was not live. No. Okay. We went, We didn't do that. <laughs> we didn't go that well, far. Those little legs I went, <laughs> squiggling around in your mouth. I went down to the local restaurant where I happened to see you know boxes of flavored oh, dried yeah. crickets. Yeah. Okay. And uh, flying fish had them. I have, and, and I they have were consumed like a barbecue and I think uh, ranch maybe. 
I think my son-in-law talked me into doing that. So yeah. That was, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I, know, I think I got a leg called in between yeah. the teeth. But. <laughs> That's, it was you, you become really conscious of dental floss right. after you eat a cricket's <laughs> leg. Yeah. 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 So, so, yeah, let's go back to, so every year the race is different. I mean, yes. you, you've got different features, so this is indeed not just a bicycle race or a point A to point B. Mm-mm. No, it, it is uh, the course changes every year, and we do not tell the racers where it is until the night before when they find out where they're supposed to be for the race start. Um, a lot of that is because we don't want locals going out to the course trying to find checkpoints. Because, like I said, I, I guess we sh- I should talk more about the navigation part of it. Yeah. So, um one of the main components is navigating. So someone on the team has to know how to use a compass and map. You can't use a GPS. Um, you have to be able to plot points and shoot bearings and read terrain and all of that. So before the race starts, we give each team a topographical map of the course, and then we give them a set of um, UTM coordinates. And so they have to go through and plot those coordinates. So it's very important right off that, you plot them correctly because if you don't, then you're going to be out, you know, wherever you're at, whether it's urban or out in the thick of it, trying to find a point that you that's not going to be there because you plotted it incorrectly. So you have to know how to plot points. And then certain parts of the course, we might try to take you on a certain route where we, we have a course book that gives you kind of clues. So it tells you whether you're supposed to be on your bike during a certain section at the paddle during a certain section, on foot for a certain section, and it tells you whether or not you have to find those points in order and follow a specific road or trail to get to it. Um, So navigation is really important, and knowing your team is very important because sometimes a team's strengths can be completely different. You know, some people might be strong enough to go up and over a large hill or something like Pinnacle, to get to a point or some might need to navigate around depending on how strong they are. Yes, navigation is the mental part of it and just strategy is really big. And you've got a eight hour and a 24 hour version? An eight hour and a 24 hour version. Let's talk about the 24 hour version because mm-hmm. at some point in there it's going to be dark. Mm-hmm. So how does that work? Headlamps. Headlamps and the checkpoints that we put out have reflective tape on them. Um, so once you get near that checkpoint, what we use is PVC pipe. It's about a two foot section of three inch PVC pipe. And we put reflective tape on the top and bottom and we hang them off of a tree limb or certain features outside. We might stick it in a rock or something, um, for them to find. And then it has, they carry around a passport, a piece of paper that they either punch with the corresponding number. So if it's checkpoint one, then you go to box one, you punch it with that punch, or we'll have like a a code word or number written inside the checkpoint that you have to put down on the paper. So then we know that you actually made it to that point. And the team, you can't be, so it's not like one team member does the paddle and then one team member does the foot section, one team member does the bike. You all have to stay together throughout the entire course and you can't be any more than 100 feet apart from each other at any point in time. Of course, there's a lot of information on Mm raidtherock.com, but 
uh, and some of this is knowable from that, but talk a bit, how long is the course? The... For the 24-hour course, it's around 100 miles, give or take. And, um, you know, that varies every year, how much of it's on bike and how much is on foot. Um, when more of it's on bike, that allows us to, to put a little bit more mileage in there. Yeah. Because they can get around a lot faster on the bike than on the foot. And you mentioned you, people can do teams of two or three. Mm-hmm. I mean, but also if one person is doing it alone, that person's going to cover the whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the teams, you're not talking about a relay. I mean, it's, no. but they're just helping each other do the navigating and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So everybody has to cover the whole course if you if you're successful. Right. If you. If you can, you live through yeah. this. It's funny because I mean, uh, <laughs> last year, and then it's 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 a certain type of person that adventure races. Yeah, well, um, let's, let's talk about who who are these people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, because it is. It's I mean, you're going eating, out in this uh, where it's it's all unknown. It's not like you've get, been given a course map before, and you know, well, I'm going to run this trail, and you know, I'm going to do this many loops or whatever. It's yeah. I mean, it's all completely unknown. So there is. This, this, I mean, I just don't even know how to ex- describe it, that adventure component. It's almost like, you know, I don't know. I don't want to say crazy. Sure, <laughs> but sure. It's, just, it's, the, it's a competitive, and people that don't want to just rely on their physical abilities, but have to think, to have to, and especially when you do the longer races that are 24 hours, 30, or even multiple day races, then you have to deal with fatigue. And you have to deal with, fueling your body i mean there's all of these components that are involved that it goes way beyond like a a triathlon or a marathon because it's not just about pushing your physical limits it's about pushing your physical and mental limits yeah yeah talk a a bit about where these folks come from i'm assuming this attracts people from other places it does you know adventure racing um was really big in the early 2000s um, we used to have, gosh, probably around five different adventure races in Arkansas. There was one that Zen that has birds um, adventure um, up in uh, Mulberry, near the Mulberry in the Ozark. It used to be called the Ozark um, Challenge that he ran every year. And there used to be the Berryman, and they're still trying to get it back up and running. Lewis and Clark in northwest Arkansas ozark adventure race there used to be a lot more races and then um the obstacle course races came about and it tends to be a little bit cheaper you don't have to have all of the gear adventure racing does require a lot of gear you have to have a mountain bike which so it can be expensive to get into at first and so we're trying to problem solve maybe how to like find ways to find bikes for people for especially for the beginners race two to four hour hey if you just want to see what this is about, experience a short race, and still be able to go on about your day, how we can provide that gear for them so they can at least get a taste of it and then maybe work on getting that gear to be able to do something more with adventure racing. And I'm now I started rambling and I forgot exactly what you asked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have another question. And so, then we'll... But we have people that come from... For, for Raid the Rock, we have people that come from, have Tennessee, Texas, Louisiana, Missouri, Oklahoma, Mississippi. I have one person that's on a team. He lives in Brooklyn. 
Um, another guy that's coming in from Colorado to race with the team. I mean, we're really one of the few, at least 24-hour races in our region. And so, and we are a USARA, which is the United States Adventure Racing Association regional qualifier for nationals. And so that attracts some of the teams that are trying to qualify to, to race in nationals each year. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's nice. And that, so that brings a lot of people in as well. Yeah. 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 This, um, how many people don't finish? I mean, what percentage would you guess? Well, um, so it just depends. I mean, there's been years where it's been wonderful. And, of course, last year was our first 24-hour race. Most all of our eight-hour racers finished. Hmm. Our 24-hour race, so last year it was the same weekend in December, and we had a mild winter, right? But it was like the coldest (laughs) and wettest day we had all winter. As soon as they started the race at 6 in the morning, it was raining, and it was overcast, and it was cold. And so even my eight-hour racers were coming in at the end of the race just shivering. And, I mean, I had to I started my Jeep. I had heaters. I had, thank goodness for River City, they were an in-kind sponsor and, and gave us some things so we could have coffee, hot water. We made cocoa and ramen noodles for everybody. Um, but it was literally, I mean, miserable for the racers, I mean, you're on a bike, you're wet, you're not going to be able to dry off or change into dry clothes, even if you have dry clothes in your pack, because they're just going to get wet as soon as you change into them. A lot of our 24-hour racers didn't finish. Now, I say did not finish. There's also, so you have, say we had 30 checkpoints last year, but we had 10 mandatory checkpoints. So you could be considered finishing the race if you made it to all 10 of those checkpoints. But then your rank and how you finished in the race would be lower the less checkpoints you found, if that makes sense. Hmm. So a lot of our racers technically, because they made it to all of the mandatory checkpoints, finished the race, but they weren't in the top rankings because they didn't find a lot of checkpoints. Our, Our longest, the team that stayed out the longest stayed out 19 hours last year and finally they're like yeah we've we've got to call it a day Hmm. as it was we had to um we had a repel section that we had to cancel because it was just going to be too dangerous with the rain and slick rock and stuff so we had to take that out and then um the paddle section for the 24-hour racers was at night and because of the conditions and we didn't want to risk anybody tumping and then hypothermia, anything like that. And so we, we called the boat section for the 24-hour racers. But what the thing about it is, is every single one of them, even they came in freezing and shaking, and some just like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. Not one of them complained. Every single one of them like, oh, my gosh, I love the course, or oh, my gosh, I just wish I could have seen the entire course. I mean, they, they know that the elements are part of it, and that's part of the challenge and part of the adventure sometimes. we um, I used to race with a team regularly, and we did a race uh, that they called the Boncard Chill, and they had it every February in Missouri, and it was around the Lake of the Ozarks. And the year that we did it, and it was my first longer race, it was only a, it was a 18-hour race. It wasn't quite a 24-hour race, but it was my first 
longer than Raid the Rock. Because at the time, Raid the Rock was a six to eight hour race to, to compete in. And it was the year that they had that really bad ice storm, ice storm up in Missouri. And the night before the race start, they had to reroute it because the lake was frozen over. There was still snow on the ground. There were still ice, ice patches on the road. And we're out there, you know, racing through snow. And on the paddle section, which was really short, it was freezing. And water, as we paddled, was freezing on our boat, freezing on us. It was 10 degrees at race start. I think 15 at the finish of the race, but it was just like, you know, it's one of those things like during it, we were always like, what in the world were we thinking? But then at the end, you're like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I totally did that. In other words, it was perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's that, it's that kind of deal. It's just, um, I mean, it's, it's a definite, it's a challenge where you, you push yourself. And a lot of times, even in the eight hour race, I mean, you're pushing yourself Again, to not only your physical limits, but your mental capability as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. You've got a cool sponsor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk yeah. about that a little bit. Ozark Outdoors? Yeah. Oh, man. And they've been sponsoring since the very beginning. Um, so this used to be ran by a group of guys and a, and a lady that raced all over the place. They went to the Galapagos Islands. You know, they did the, the multi-day races and... They partnered with the city of Little Rock and started this. It was kind of a way for them to raise money to be able to travel and pay the fees to be able to do these races. And Jim Frank's at Ozark Outdoors. He's been in it from the very beginning has and just um, is amazing. Like without those guys, we, we wouldn't be around. It'd be, it'd be super hard. But um, And they have, I can't remember what year we started it, but we have this huge boulder that's out in front of Ozark Outdoor, and every year they put the names of the winners on that boulder yeah. on plates. So it's really cool. Well, I know you're you're you've got to be a little cagey about where this is going to happen. Yeah. So, so but unlike <laughs> a, a a road race, I mean, people can't go stand out on the thing and watch. I mean, can is there any place? <laughs> no, I mean, so you know, we used to have. When we were urban, we had support crews that would kind of follow the racers along. And at each transition area, depending on how we set the race up, you know, the racers would leave. We would hold the support crews for a certain amount of time and then send them to the next TA, wherever the teams were going to be next. But if we had like a repel off, we've repelled off when we had it urban. We've repelled off the parking deck downtown. We've repelled off Two Rivers Bridge um, before I started directing it. They repelled us off the what used to be the train bridge, the old train bridge, but it's now the pedestrian bridge, um, the junction bridge. Mm -hmm. um, and so when we were urban, it was a little bit easier to tell people where those things were going to, going to happen. Um, and even if it's not urban and it's kind of out in the thick of it, like last year it was in the National Forest, um, there are certain areas where we might could say, well, you can go and see them here. Um, but we've kind of gotten away from support crews a little bit because it's, it's become hard for teams to find people to want to come out and spend that amount of time with them, just kind of waiting around on, on teams. But, you know, and we've kind of set up the race to sometimes where there's not a transition area other than where you start. You know, we've we've set it up to where 
you'll go out on the bike, come back to where you started, transition, go out on foot, come back to where you started, transition to the paddle. You know, or we could, you know, just say, hey, once you start, you don't see us again until you finish. And so then they have to carry all of their gear on them. Uh, there are certain times when we might, before the race, say, you need to, to find this point and then drop a bag containing this gear. Mm-hmm. And so so sometimes we have drop points. So then along the race, since they're not coming back to the start, they have their gear to switch to go on to the next section. So, it, I mean, it's just... When one year we gave them the choice of starting on the bike or foot, and we literally had 50-50. Half of the racers started on foot, and half of them started on the bike. And then within those sections, you had choices of what you did first or second, whether you repelled or went on the paddle and then came back and repelled. Um, So that was really interesting because at no point during the race did any team know if the other team that they were passing had completed a certain section. And so they were truly just racing against themselves on the clock. And so it's the format can change every year. Um, Links change every year. Location changes a lot. And, you know, and that's why we went out last year. It's hard to um, have a 24-hour in an urban setting. And we do, we are lucky to have a lot of, of green space and a lot of trail in, uh, in Little Rock with Osset Park, with Burns Park. Um, so, but after doing it for, we've been here around since 2001, now it's 2017, you tend to reuse those spots a lot when you keep it within the city limits. So, so we're, we're trying to also, um, develop a race calendar where maybe we do more things throughout the year so we can still do a race that's maybe an urban setting on top of the 24-hour race that's outside of that um, as well as some other events that especially with the navigation you know orienteering is is big and is popular out west and even east but for some reason we don't have a lot of that going on in our region Hmm. And I think a lot of people would love that as a way to maybe introduce them to navigating to those map skills that they need to adventure race. Because I think that deters some people as well. It's like, oh, navigation. I can't use a GPS. <laughs> I don't have my phone. What? <laughs> um, so we're trying to expand and do some some other events that kind of build up to the race in December. Yeah. You, uh, I mean, somebody's got a traverse this whole course i mm-hmm. suppose is that you um you know i haven't gotten to do that over the last few years there's just so much and and we're kind of a we've been a staff of three at most and now we're kind of a staff of two and so jed davis who was my teammate we used to he and his dad and i used to race a lot together that's kind of how i started what well, I, I started before jed and those guys but the first year i was supposed to re- to race raid the rock i was playing kickball i just moved back to little rock from northwest arkansas and i was playing kickball and i tore my acl Hmm. the week before the race and i had been training with these two guys we were all three newbies and so i had to support them while they raced the race that next weekend um but jed so then i met jed we coached together in mayflower we taught and coached together and he he's like hey so i hear you adventurous i was like yeah yeah i do 
I would love to race with you guys if you need a female. And he's like, well, why don't you meet me out at Lake Sylvia? And we'll just, we'll see how this goes. And so he took me around and we navigated through the woods for a little bit to see how my navigation skills were. And then he took me on that loop on the mountain bikes. And I was in a lot better shape than I am now. And that's a pretty, it's a climb that just goes on for days. Like you think, <laughs> oh, it's going to flatten out. I'm going to go downhill now. You just keep on climbing. Um, but I passed the test. And then I raced for, with him and his dad for for some years. We were ranked nationally in the top 10 one year. I mean, we were racing at least once or twice a month, going to Indiana, to Florida, to Illinois, and doing all kinds of races. Of course, that was before 9-11. And then once that hit gas prices, it just became too expensive to travel mm. on a teacher's salary. But Jed, still coaching. He's now in Marion. But he is our course designer. And so when he's not coaching football on the weekends, he goes to our race location and scouts and sets the course. And we I kind we we talk through it through looking at the map and stuff and maybe suggest, well, maybe we should do this before that or this direction or go here or go there. But ultimately, he's the designer. And so that's so he gets to do it. He gets to be out there, and it's and a twenty four hour race takes quite a bit of of time. Yeah, to set up. Yeah, it's it's kind of staggering just to think about. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that if you were like, yeah, you need to get me another guy out here to help me set this, but no, he he really enjoys it too, and it it gets him out, and you know he has a family and stuff now, and it gets him out in the woods and able to take part in it. Yeah. You know, in a different kind of way. We we get to, instead of taking part in racing the unknown adventure, we get to set it up for people. And so we get to to take people through this really cool adventure that they wouldn't do otherwise. Will you stay up all night? Yes. Yeah, so you'll, yeah. you'll be on call. <laughs> I'll be on call. Yeah. I might take a little nap here or there, yeah. but... But yeah, I'll, I, I stick at race headquarters. We're also super lucky to have the help of a local um, handheld radio group, the Karen Guys, Central Arkansas Radio Network, Emergency Network. And so every year, you know, they work a lot of these races. They, um, a lot of the 100-mile foot races and stuff, they, they work. And so we have about a dozen of them that we, we place um, throughout the course so that we know when teams come through so we have radio knowledge and we can keep track of them so then we know if, okay, this team made it through that checkpoint at this point in time, everybody else ahead of them or behind them has made it through this one, they should be here by now. They might be lost. (laughs) And so, um, (laughs) but we set up at race headquarters and we, so we have a, you know, pretty good. So I, I stick there with them to kind of talk about how we should handle different things if if and when they come about. And then Jed is kind of out roaming the course as well, and so we can have radio communication with him. Hey, so this team, they can't go on. So maybe someone sprained an ankle or maybe someone has cramps or maybe they just decided, you know, I think we need to throw in the towel. Then we can say, hey, Jed, we got this team at this point. We need you to go pick them up. Yeah. And then bring them back to race headquarters. Nobody, nobody's ever been eaten by a bear. No bear so eatings yet. <laughs> <laughs> so no far. alligators. Yeah. 
anything but, like that. But yeah. you, you talked earlier um, about some of the quirky aspects of Raid the Rock race, mm-hmm. and what are some of the, you, some of the other ones that you mentioned eating a cricket? I think you said from time to time you've had other quirky things you had to do along the way. Yeah, and so, and we've, um, I'm trying to think, one of the other team challenges that we've done, is I feel like we've done another one, and I can't, doesn't come to mind, that's probably the quirkiest <laughs> of them, you that's know. kind of a relief. And we keep trying to, you know, we've, we've probably been involved in other races that we've actually raced that have, have done crazier things than that, than, than what we've put them through, and, you know, and a lot of them, um, so not quirky, but even repelling, like a repel off the tourers bridge is not not everybody is comfortable with that, even though they're out there adventure racing, you know, they're like and so I get a lot of teams that'll send me, Hey, so what if we don't want to do the repel? You know, can we still race? Yes. You can still race. Now what we do in that situation is as teams come in, they still have to make it to that point, to that section, and then we help we hold them until the teams ahead of them get through it and leave and then we'll hold them for a certain amount of time after they leave and then let them go just to to make it fair because they're not spending the time to do that activity so they we have to hold them back to at least make up for that but yes completely doable you can still race and and not have to do that section um but um yeah yeah the the crickets is probably the the quirkiest thing that we've done. Do you get active duty military folks doing this? I do. I do some. Mm-hmm. I expect some also. Some I had retired, a, but I had a team of three guys that I'm almost certain were military last year, and it was freezing cold. But they were like, they came in with their shirts off, <laughs> and were just like, "Wow, Tracy Berry, yeah, <laughs> you know, you took us through this course." Um, but I do. I get a lot of Air Force. I get Air Force and in Army. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they always their navigation, and they navigate. Um, they navigate a little bit differently than what I was taught and what I what I do, and so that's always interesting too. Because so Friday night before the race, Saturday the race starts Saturday morning. Um, Friday night everyone comes in, and we have our check in, and so we check everybody. We make sure they have all the mandatory gear. We check that off. Um, we we test them on navigation so I have a map out and I say I need to I need you to plot this point and they find it and I say I need you to shoot a bearing from that point to the next and it's it's funny how it seems like the military guys do a little bit different than everybody else and then I'm I'm like yeah okay you found it so we're good (laughs) that bearing was at 275 north yeah okay you're good. Different in what way? I mean, they um just the way that they they find their they do um kind of like a triangle, and now it's it's hard for me to to describe it, but it's um they they just they use their compass in a little bit different way than mm. I mean it's still perfectly they still find the point, but wow. then I get to follow them, but it's but it's also like a it's almost like a refresher course for a lot of the racers because we do have some loyal raid the rockers that have raced with us from the very beginning or at least every other year if not all every year um where we might be the only race or maybe the only one of two that they do each year and so when they come 
that Friday night before the race Saturday, it's kind of like a refresher on them. Now, are you sure that's where that point is supposed to be? Let's walk through this and how this goes again. And so we kind of refresh everybody on how to plot and and shoot some bearings. But um, but we we get we test them on navigation, and then whatever rope skill that we will be having in the race, if we have one, because it's not every year. Insurance can be tough with ropes. Um, we test them on that skill, just to know that they have. The basic knowledge because we have an experienced crew that will work that section if we have it and so we always know double check trickle triple check you know it's not like they're just going out there to rope in the middle of the woods and hooking themselves up and then rappelling down we have an entire crew to make sure that everything is run correctly and everybody's hooked up safely and doing the right thing so but we still test them on those skills and so we um but yeah so it's a, it's a full weekend of stuff. Approximately how many people do you think will participate in this year's race? Right now I have 40. Yeah. Yeah. We're still we're still trying to build build back up. I think that's a pretty impressive number. <laughs> <laughs> we have 40. And uh, I made it to the Central Arkansas Trail Alliance meeting last night and a lot of those guys have heard of adventure racing. You know, they're all big mountain bikers and some trail runners and and then I, I just happened up on them. Um and because uh, I had to pick up some checkpoints from some people that cleaned the course for me last year. And uh, so I was like, eh, well, might as well plug Raid the Rock. And they're like, oh, man. Afterwards, they're like, so, hey, I've heard of your race. Like, I've always wanted to do it. What do I need to do? So we might have a few more people mm-hmm. sign up. It's really cool this year. Um, the USARA has a lot of sponsors that have come together, and they're giving out scholarships for nationals for all female teams so if we have an all-female team that signs up and qualifies then they'll be able to have a good portion of their national registration paid for because it it tends to get expensive and nationals is a lot more involved in than ours so the yeah there's a push to get more females involved yeah yeah and sometimes that can be tough too because for nationals you have to be co-ed so when you race in our race to be able to qualify for nationals if you win you have to be a co-ed team and so sometimes you know when we have some rachel Furman, she's a local um racer she lives here in little rock and she's an elite adventure racer she travels everywhere she's i mean she's she's pretty amazing i'll give that push to her and so every year you know she puts together a team to race with us and uh but you know i think that's their way of trying to get more women involved in the sport which is cool do you have uh, photographs or video or anything of parts of the races i do that Um, people could see if they mm -hmm. wanted to yeah, they can, um, they can, we have a Facebook page, it's Raid the Rock, and we also have a, a website, it's RaidTheRock.com, where there's some pictures posted. Um, now I'm trying to think, we I think we might have a couple of videos posted as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Well, it sounds like an amazing event. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of work, as any event is, to put together, but, um, Man, when it's done, you know, that next morning and to 
the racers and to see, even though they're exhausted, but to hear them talk about the course and just how much fun, even though they, they're exhausted, they had, it's, that's pretty fulfilling or rewarding. Yeah. Right, right. Earlier you talked about uh, doing these things on a teacher's salary. I know you, you were a teacher for quite a number of years, mm -hmm. but also you, you were a, a varsity athlete in college. And tell, uh, tell us a little bit about how you got interested in, in this sort of outdoor uh, adventure experience yeah. and things like that. Well, you know, that's um, so I, did, I played several sports, basketball mainly, um, slow pitch softball at the time. We didn't have fast pitch when I was growing up, and some volleyball. But I went to college on a basketball scholarship at Henderson State. Um, and then once I, I got out of college, I, I played a little bit of semi-pro with a local team here in Little Rock with some ladies. And I tore, it was after college that I tore both of my ACLs. So I've torn both of them, had them reconstructed. But I've kind of gotten away from that team sport aspect. And then I was living up in northwest Arkansas teaching and coaching and I that's when I got into mountain biking I, I went out on my first mountain bike ride around Lake Fayetteville by Lewis and Clark up there and I went she, the <laughs> Christy who I went with it's like hey I have two bikes let's go on a on a on a ride and the one that I rode had no suspension <laughs> at all and I was like okay thankfully that that trail is fairly flat but I came out of it, I mean, my upper body, everything was like just shot. And I was like, okay, yeah, I could do this, yeah. And so I bought my first mountain bike while I was up there. And it was a Haro hardtail, heavy, heavy, heavy. But I loved it. And we came down and we rode Alsup. My first wreck was on Alsup. Um, then we rode out at Camp Robinson. And, and then I just... It was when I moved up there that really, and then I've, I grew up in East End, you know, outside of town here towards Sheridan. I went to school in Sheridan. And so I learned how to drive in the hayfield. Like I was always outside. My dad wasn't that fond of it. Anytime I go outside, you know, and spend too much time out in the woods, I get the horn honk. <laughs> Tracy, get back to the house. <laughs> um, so I always loved being outdoors, but I'd never really done anything like that outside and so I got into camping I got into mountain biking I spent some time at Devil's Den and then during that time was when Eco Quest and Primal Quest was coming up and so these were all these long 10-day adventure races that they were putting they were on TV you know and I was watching those and I was like man that's interesting I, I kind of like to find out a little bit more about that and so this is when the internet was just coming about and and I started searching around, and I found Raid the Rock. And I was like, okay. And they had a message board. And I had these, a guy that was like, hey, me and my buddy, we're wanting to get into this. We're looking for a female to race with us. And so I was like, yeah. I answered the, I answered the message. like, hey, man, yeah, I want to do this. And so at the t I still lived in, in Springdale at the time. I was teaching in Bentonville, but in the process of moving back. And so we started training, and when I moved back, we trained together. We spent a lot of time out at Pinnacle um, and doing these, like, one-on-one -on -one courses that Raid the Rock staff at the time. Nate and those guys were putting on 
learning how to navigate, learning, you know, how to repair your flat tire out in the middle of, you know, wherever. And, um, yeah. And so that's kind of how I got into it with those guys. Of course, tore my ACL, didn't get to race that first year, the race the second year. And then I met Jed and it was just like, this is really cool. Um, and just kind of really got into it. And then when I had the opportunity to take Raid the Rock, because we, you know, it's our favorite race. We, we did, we did a lot of races outside of Arkansas that were kind of cool, but Raid the Rock was always like our favorite race and we didn't want to see that go away. And so we said, okay, well, we got to keep this thing going. And so it's kind of become our, our baby. Mm. But, but yeah, so that, then I met, when I moved back and after that, I met Larry Crane uh, at a rendezvous for the Arkansas Canoe Association out at um, the Washita River. And they were doing, you know, they were in the middle or at the beginning of the planning stages for the row club. And so that's kind of when I got into the whole k- kayaking thing was when I met Larry and into the rowing thing. And so then I, I started rowing at the rowing club there in North Little Rock, bought a kayak, started going out on these little solo adventures that I get in trouble for sometimes. Um, and it just, it just kind of went from there. And then from there, you know, Jed and I, we started going on a, and his dad, we'd, we'd go set up a top rope and do some rappelling and some climbing in certain places. And I met Thomas Wallace and these guys, and I got in, involved in climbing out at the climbing gym here um, with Logan Wilcoxon and those guys. And so, I don't know, it just kind of, grew from there and I started taking part in not only you know adventure racing that involved all these disciplines but then each of them on their own and then you know and then being a part of those like the row club and doing some different climbing events and stuff is kind of I think made a little bit easier or given me more ideas when it comes to planning Raid the Rock so yeah it's, it's neat how all those connections happen. Arkansas, <laughs> Arkansas is a pretty cool place to plan all this stuff because you got a lot to work with. We really do, and it would be nice, and we've talked about before, you know, taking it outside of central Arkansas and maybe um, to a different area because we do have so much to offer here in our state. We're kind of like a diamond in the rough. And it's crazy because, you know, when people come from outside, I used to work at um, in between teaching and what I'm doing now, I worked at a zipline canopy tour in Ponca, this upper Buffalo wilderness area for five years. I helped build it, then trained and God did managed while I was up there. But we would have people come from all over the country and even outside of the country to zipline. And it was really cool because I met a different, you know, diff- different people every day and heard all these stories. But they're like, man, Arkansas, we never knew. But we also had people that traveled from all around Arkansas, southern Arkansas, eastern Arkansas, to Ponca to Zip, and they're like, man, we we never never knew, you know? So it's, it's interesting how much we have and how much even people within our state don't know about. Because we do, we have, whether you're heading down to the, to dig for diamonds, you know, or even, I mean, we have, I think, one of the largest Oxbow Lakes in Lake Village, I mean, we just, we have a lot of cool features that don't cost anything for people to do. But, again, that would be nice if we could maybe highlight those areas and bring 
racers in to see. Because now, God, they were talking about it last night. I mean, we're starting to bring in a lot of people because of our mountain bike trails. You know, Northwest Arkansas has a ton of miles in trail now, and they're developing even more. Same here with Camp Robinson, and even out at Boyle Park. You know, they've really cleaned up and started adding trail out there. I mean, we've 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 got a lot of cool stuff going on. Yeah, great. Yeah, Tracy Berry, Raid the Rock. Thank you. Pretty cool. <laughs> Good <laughs> it's luck. Kind of neat. Good yeah. luck to you and all the competitors and the staff and the radio people and everything. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Primary Sources on Radio Cows, a production of the Central Arkansas Library System, its Arkansas History Department, the Butler Center for Arkansas Studies, and the Cows Communications and Public Relations Department. For more information, please visit cows.org and butlercenter.org. Our producer is Glenn Whaley. Production manager is Shelley Stormo. Voices by Jasmine Job and John Miller. Engineering and editing by Anna Lancaster and Shelley Stormo. Our executive producers are Leanne Blackwell Hoskin and David Strickland.